Hello, and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. Uh, and we are here with a very special guest this week, uh, author of the Phyrexia All Will Be One story, Seanan McGuire. Seanan, uh, say hello. and Hello! Uh, just, uh, tell people, uh, you know, uh, other things you've written. Introduce yourself, that kind of thing. Okay, hi, um, I'm Seanan. Thank you so much for having me. I have written far more books than is actually healthy for a single person. Uh, but for magic, I've written Phyrexia All Will Be One's main story. It was my first main story, and I had a lovely time, even if I did continually frustrate my editors by going over word count. Uh, and then I did Homecoming for Dominaria, United, and Tangled, uh, Tangles, sorry, for uh, Midnight Hunt. So I've been writing for Magic Story off and on for about two years now. Um, before that, I did a two-year stint on Ghost Spider for Marvel Comics. And mostly I'm a novelist. Do you have any uh, novels that have come out recently that you want to you wanna shout out? Recently, as the time of this recording, I had a book come out last week called Lost in the Moment and Found, uh, which is the eighth book in my ongoing Wayward Children series. They are very short, very traumatic, and very queer. Uh, and the first of them is Every Heart a Doorway. Uh, short, traumatic, and queer. That is uh, very relatable for uh, some of the people on this podcast. Um, I also want to mention you did also write the Dance of Undeath for the. Uh, yes, I did. I yes. forgot they changed the name of that, and then <laughs> I never remember it because of the name Gisa. How do you forget Gisa? Yeah, that was that was one of my favorites. Uh, I Thank love you. that story. Uh, we have, we do have some news this week. Um, before we get into our our full interview with Sean in here, we uh, uh, Phyrexia all will be one spoilers or excuse me previews are still coming out right now. So if you're listening to this on the Monday of release, you can go check out some, including our preview card that came out last Thursday, because that's how time works. Uh, it is linear. Yes. Um, but we're talking in the future right now, because for us, it is Monday. Um, and uh, you can go look at the Magicon Philadelphia schedule, and you'll see a really cool panel happening on Sunday, February 19th at noon. Uh, the Vorthos cast live. So we're all going to be in Philadelphia and we're going to get up on a stage and we're going to do an episode kind of of the podcast live. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be something you don't want to miss. I will tell you that. Uh, yeah, if if you're at Metricon Philly, our panel's at noon on Sunday. Uh, we're doing a kind of a, a lead up to March of the Machine, kind of going over where Magic Story has been the last couple of years. Uh, hey, what's happened since War of the Spark? How did we get to the point where Elish Norn's Realmbreaker is invading every plane in the multiverse at once? Uh, well, that's what our panel's about, so uh, go listen. Uh, and I'm sure if uh, some of us will be around the the event all weekend, sporadically, whenever, uh, if you see me there, uh, say hi. My favorite thing about live versions of ongoing podcasts is it is a time where you can be certain everyone on that podcast was wearing pants. And that is <laughs> not a true statement. That is true. I, I don't think I've recorded the podcast sans pants, but I've definitely recorded the podcast in like pajamas many times. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for like almost five years and I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> all my outfits for podcasting. I'm going to level with you. Right, like just uh, the time when you know. 
All I heard was challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe not wearing pants. Probably wearing a mask, though, because there is a mask uh, requirement at the event. Um, It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. I haven't been at a magic event in years. I wish you could be there, too. It's going to be so cool. Um, And I'm going to try and cause as much chaos in our presentation as I can without making Jay and Lorelai kill me. Um, <laughs> I'll run interference. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, we've got um, we've got Sean in here, and uh, I first of all just to to start off, uh, I absolutely love the Phyrexia All Will Be One main story. I thought we were in a like I thought the Bro story was some of the best Magic could do, you know. And then this came out, and I was like, okay, we can still we can go even further. This was incredible, and I loved it. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, the future projects that you're definitely probably working on because if Magic isn't sending you future projects, they would be wrong um, because Aww. this was so good. Uh, and uh, yeah, so just thank you for the story. Thank you. Um, you know, I am always anxious when I say that working with a big IP is the single best thing you can do for your ego because no matter what you write, It is simultaneously a work of towering genius and the worst thing that has ever happened to that franchise. Uh (laughs) Um, There is is one charming soul who has left comments in several areas where I am, who I'm pretty sure was in my high school English class with me. Just (laughs) he needs me to know every instance of passive voice that occurred in those five installments. And I'm like, you know, sometimes passive voice is actually the correct tense. Plus, my editors were fine with it. Plus, okay, dude. Um, but it's fantastic for not getting a swelled head about things. Because no matter what you do, you suck. It's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I, I thought it was incredible. I um, I did not go through and, and check for passive voice. But now that you mention it, I guess I should go, I should go look. No. Um, yeah. Have a party. <laughs> it will make you very sad. So uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and um, I'll get our our interview started here. Uh, okay. You have a really long history as an award winning author across like multiple genres. Um, I actually I have some of your non magic books. I mean I guess those are the only ones that are in print like downstairs in my my bookshelf right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you end up writing magic fiction? How did you get here? So I I will actually contest a really long history. It makes me feel ancient. My first book came in 2009 uh, in September. So that was only 13 years ago. Um, By the standards of long history, I'm I'm still a medium history. I'm like the home points in my career path. Uh, But as to how I wound up writing Magic Story, um, they were looking for authors and they emailed my agent and my agent went, do you want to write for Magic the Gathering? Does Magic the Gathering actually have a story? And then 30 minutes later, after I finished explaining the Weatherlight Saga to her with great enthusiasm and hand gestures, went, okay, um, you want to I will tell them to set up a call and you will stop talking. <laughs> um, which is never a command that has actually worked on me. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure that Grace Fong, who was my first editor there, is actually the one that that found me and thought I would be a good fit. And I am very, very grateful. Um, but I'm, I'm just having a great time. I'll basically write for any franchise that wants me that I actually care about. Mm-hmm. As an, a, a consumer 
of media franchises. The thing I like least is reading authors who clearly do not give a fuck except that they're getting paid. It's not just faking enthusiasm. It's you don't care about what you're writing. You don't really want to be here. Hmm. And I, I generally won't take those jobs because I feel like the lack of love shows through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's some IP that I have some work on that's not out yet that I uh, honestly didn't know a lot about before I started working on it. Um, but like in the process of doing the work, figured out, hey, these are really cool things here and kind of like had that love for it grow out of the work, mm-hmm. um, which can happen. But like, oh, yeah, like if you ever signed me on to do I don't, I don't even know. An IP, I don't like, yeah, I, like I just can't conceptualize doing IP work for an IP I don't care about. It just like so much effort. It's like work. We're yep. gonna we're gonna get you in touch with the people who do uh, any of the fiction for Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, and you can you can write for them. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but you know, letting the love grow out of what you're doing, there is nothing wrong with that. Um, I generally do not gravitate toward male characters. I grew up in the 80s when there were like two girls to a franchise, unless it was Rose Petal Place. And as a consequence, really latch on to the girls. And and so I am less likely to name a male character as my favorite anything. And when they assigned me Tyvar for um, All Will Be One, Uh the response was the fuck you said. Why is this dude taking up valuable Nahiri time? I don't know. <laughs> um, and then writing Tyvar, I fell completely in love with him. And I am now basically his number one standard bearer. Uh-huh. He's a good ally. He is the best. <laughs> uh, no, I, I Tyvar's great. I love writing Tyvar. I'm so glad we finally gotten to read your Tyvar after you shouting his praises for... God, how knows... How, yeah. Well I can say words in the correct order. God knows how long on the internet. I am uh, legit astonished that when Tyvar was announced as one of the planeswalkers in All Will Be One, the entirety of the magic community that is also following me didn't go, oh, Sean and wrote the main story immediately. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought that honestly that was an announcement, even though it formally would not <laughs> say anything until the story started dropping. But I'm just like... Do you really think if Tyvar was on the table and I wasn't the one who had written him, I would be sitting here calmly? <laughs> I mean, announcing that Tyvar and Nahiri were both in the strike team and they were going to be running into a Johnny should have sent some uh, some clear signals to fans of the Boom Magic comics for sure. Uh, you'd think, but no. How, how did you... So did you... You mentioned the Weatherlight story. Did you uh, grow up playing Magic? Were you one of the the early adopters or was it just like, how, how did you get involved with magic? So getting involved with the game, I was in from alpha on. Um, I actually played competitively for a while so long ago that I am now one of the worst magic players. Anyone I know knows I, I am <laughs> actually hilarious to watch me try to play um, because it is kind of like watching someone who learned to play magic with alpha attempting to deal with a modern environment, because that is exactly what it is. Uh, I got out for a really long time, uh, both because I had no money, uh, which is usually a big indicator that it's time to take a break from magic, and because my, my middle sister stole 
two thirds of my competition deck, you know, the deck that I had spent all of my time and money building for years and sold it for drug money. And I, I still lived with her at the time, which is how she had access to me. But uh, she didn't even get in trouble. You know, my mother never punished her. And since I couldn't get rid of my sister, I, re I reacted by getting rid of magic for a while. So my only interaction with the game was through story for quite some time. Uh, because the magic story had not betrayed me. Unlike the game, which I was blaming for not being in my house, which is not really fair. Um, but it does mean that when they brought me on, I got all my cards out because I've still got all my cards from high school. Uh, I have some stuff that really I should not have and spread it all out across my dining room table so that I could look at it and just really understand what was going on. Uh, because apparently digging out your favorite cards helps you understand modern magic story. It does not. Um, and my <laughs> came over to drop something off and she looked at my dining room table and went, why do you have all your magic cards out? You don't play anymore. Oh my God, they hired you. Wait, <laughs> last year, they hired Mira. Phyrexia is coming back. She made that leap in less than 30 seconds without me saying a word. I mean, it's good to have a brand, right? Yep, it was hilarious. Well, um, writing for, so did you, did you start with Tangles or did you start writing um, the, the Phyrexia story first? What, what was I, your first work that you did for, for Magic? The first work I actually did for Magic was Tangles and Dance of Undeath, um, which I'm pretty sure I got assigned Phyrexia while I was doing those. They don't really want to do their test run on a main story. Mm -hmm. They ensure that you can actually like do things on time. One of the ways that doing Magic Story is not like doing fiction it is fiction but it's not like doing just fiction in the real world um it is that there's actually a production schedule that people pay attention to and when they say you will have edits on tuesday they mean you will have edits on tuesday not you will have edits on some day adjacent to a tuesday in some month that we won't tell you now and that is so alien to the way that 90 percent of publishing works that they kind of want to see if you can handle it before they ask you to do something bigger where it really matters. The side stories matter, but you can only fuck up so much in a side story. You can do <laughs> a main story. I like schedules, honestly, as well yes, from a writing perspective. Like they're, they're so helpful. Knowing when I have all my deadlines and meetings is really nice. It's so good. I really appreciate still hear y'all because my computer is doing a thing right now that i don't comprehend uh okay so phyrexia this this is a big event for magic uh as uh from kind of like the the fan of the game perspective uh, how does it feel writing such a big pivotal event being like hey this big thing that's happening is going to be my responsibility to write i i mean it's Felt kind of terrifying, to be quite honest, because if you do uh -huh. something wrong, there is mm -hmm. so much internet that can get mad at you. There is just mm -hmm. so much internet. And you can't really stop being where the internet is if you have a job that involves the internet at all. Um, mm -hmm. Any that you don't listen to what people say on social media has never had 20,000 angry people yelling at them. Um, you know, but... Uh, I trusted my editorial team and 
the only thing I really disagreed with that they wanted me to do uh, worked out basically okay, which is I did not like that Nahiri effectively hides a zombie bite. Um, that as someone who has written a fairly successful zombie series, that made me very uncomfortable. But knowing that magic fans tend to be reasonable people as long as it's not about the actual card game um, and having seen the, the reaction to both tangles and dance of, of death helped a lot. Um, mm-hmm. this, Cause it took a lot, a while to get through five episodes. Yeah. She, uh, wait, is that the, ne- I know we have a question about her. Is mm-hmm. that the next question? Yeah, yeah. that's the next <laughs> one. So I, I guess the good segue. Uh, so, uh, because there's there's a, a scene where this kind of I guess by the way yeah I think we should have noted before is if you haven't read the story yet there's going to be spoilers and uh, we haven't done our story summary episodes yet so yeah, go go read the story I'm yeah. pretty sure they bring me back based on click counts oh I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> click on all the stories again real quick um uh so uh there's the scene between Nahiri and Malira. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Malira does the "Hey, you've been hiding your zombie bite" kind of moment, um, and it ends with Nahiri and her agreeing that "Hey, Nahiri, you're going to die for this cause, probably." Uh, and so, uh, kind of, what is going through your head when uh, you know this is a, Nahiri's a character you have written uh, for the comics and have been? Uh, we God, you and I have had a lot of really fun Nahiri discussions. Um, what, what is it like, like getting to craft this moment, uh, of this character's resolve and uh, kind of consigning her to this fate? I, obviously like the decision to complete her was not your decision. Was not mine. Like, uh, to, to exist, have, to be able to craft this moment, what, uh, specifically what was, uh, like this, what? What was going through your head for this moment? Um, it was yes. it was not an easy thing to do because you have to kind of walk that line of the as established with where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, is very traumatized, very old, and very angry, and that's all solidly established. And she's mm-hmm. pretty horrible things, but that doesn't mean she has no potential for good. She's still. Mm-hmm. She is not yet gone pure red, nor am I saying that red has no potential for good, just that in this case, Nahiri has not... um, So I am the most powerful thing here. I am the nuclear weapon that they brought with them just in case their first nuke didn't work. They can't do it without me. I'm going to make sure that I stick it out as long as possible. I think think we lost you a little bit during that, but I think the the gist of it came through. Can you now? Yes. Okay, good. I've joined with my phone, so hopefully that will stay stable. I did warn you. So before before we had that that little technical hiccup, you were talking about Nahiri. Um, yeah, she's she's a really powerful and like fascinating character, and I feel like she was a little underserved in some of her previous writings. Not because of the writer, just because uh, she didn't really have a situation like this one in Phyrexia where she got a chance to like be the hero, and she has like a really heroic last stand moment. Um, Which would, made me so happy. It made me cry. <laughs> like I was, I was tearing up. I was reading that story, and I was just like, I can't believe uh, I'm getting emotional over Nahiri, who was never like my favorite character, um, but is definitely now up there in the list. Uh, and she, um, 
God, you mentioned earlier that she she was like hiding a zombie bite, but it did feel really different because of mm-hmm. that scene with with Malira, in my opinion, where it was the person hiding the zombie bite. But instead of thinking, oh my God, this idiot is hiding the zombie bite from everyone, I thought, Nahiri, don't let anyone see that zombie bite. They right, cannot because Malira had already approved it. Mm-hmm. It was like they can't don't let them stop you, Nahiri. They need you. And they did. They really did. But, um, yeah, no, if I have any regrets about, I mean, my, my only real regret about the one story is we needed more word count. Mm-hmm. I have seen the very fair critique a couple times that it felt like we were going through a checklist of emotional beats. And I can 100% see where that comes from. You have a fairly tight, tight outline and a limited amount of time to get through it. And, uh, you know, there's only so much budget and writers do have bills. We do have to get paid. Um, but I would have liked to have time to have Nahiri spending a little bit of time with both, uh, Tyvar and Kaya, because if mm-hmm. you look at Kaito, Tyvar and Kaya, most of the makeup of the team she's with is younger planeswalkers and people who are not necessarily aware of what she did on Innistrad, or if they are aware, it's a story. It's abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaya was there for War of the Spark, but Nahiri was mostly busy pounding the shit out of Soren during War of the Spark. She wouldn't have had time <laughs> right. to be unfortunate at Kaya. Nahiri survived hundreds of years of the core empire. She knows how you play certain games, even if she is not good at or inclined toward them. And it would have been nice to give her a moment to just be like, if I don't want to be the villain forever, now is when I start getting the younger generation on my side. Mm-hmm. And make Jace look irrational for the fact that he doesn't like her. You know, lean <laughs> into that a little bit. But we we just did not have the word count to spend on that sort of thing. I would have loved to see that. Oh, man. In my perfect world, the response to Magic Story continues to get better, which it has been. We've got some astonishing writers working in Magic Story right now. I exempt myself from any statements about the general quality because I'm not that asshole. But, <laughs> you know, we've got some amazing writers working in Magic mm-hmm. Story. Uh, Tangles got a Hugo Award nomination in the short story category. It is mm-hmm. the first time any piece of magic fiction has been nominated for a major genre award. And it's also the first time any piece of media tie-in work has been on the Hugo ballot without an active log roll going on. We had one piece of media tie-in during the sad puppy years, which is a whole scandal for a whole different podcast. So mm-hmm. we're starting to get some recognition outside of the core Vorthos community. And in my perfect world of sunshine and zombie puppies, that will continue. And we will be able to convince wizards that the way that you satisfy both sides of the community, the don't gatekeep the lore side of the community and the we need novels side is that we do magic story exactly as we have been. And then we take those core stories and expand them to novel length. So we give them all that space that they didn't have originally. And that way the lore beats are still completely free. There is no gatekeeping of the lore. But if you just want more character work and more time, you can pick up the books and and Mm -hmm. we can make magic some money without being total dicks. So that is my perfect world. I don't know that we'll get there, but I can hope. I I would. Yeah, I would love that idea. I think it, um, I mean, it creates like an interesting question of, you know, do we do we take the story of Phyrexia All Will Be One uh, and we have the web fiction and we say, here is the canon story. All of the details that happened here are the ones that are canon and then go. But also here is a novel length version of the story 
uh, by Sean and McGuire that comes out a year and a half, two years, three years, however long uh, down the road. And we go, here's the novel length version. And now maybe there's some extra stuff. All of the same beats are still hit. All of the same you know, stories being told. But it does give people more time uh, to go and say, oh, if you really loved these characters and the way they interacted in the short version, here is an expanded, longer version where you get a scene of Nahiri and Kaya and Tyvar and Kaito like having a discussion about what it means to have a legacy as a planeswalker. Because mm-hmm. um, that would be, I mean, I would, I would eat it up, but I, I think, you know, it is, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. It would be super fun. And um, I, I, I write too fast, so I never have issues with making these kind of suggestions. <laughs> Everyone else that works on magic story is shaking <laughs> their heads and just making violent stop it gestures. <laughs> but um, I'd have no problem keeping up with that. Lorelai is actually on a discord with me has watched the consequences of me typing 240 words a minute in real time. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's, it's not always the best thing. My fingers work faster than my brain at times. Um, but I can, uh, I can go very, very fast. It's, it's distressing. I've been playing Sonic Frontiers, so I want to make a Sonic the Hedgehog joke, but <laughs> I, other than generic fast equals Sonic the Hedgehog joke, I don't have anything planned. So <laughs> so um, I do want to give a shout out to all of the authors who wrote for, for one, so all of the side mm-hmm. stories as well. Um, one of my first comments was like, wow, they really turned Phyrexia All Will Be One into like a uh, throwback to all of the best, like, greatest fiction we've had in magic over the last couple of years because all of the side story authors also are uh, have written some of my Ooh. favorite magic story before phyrexia too which i thought was really fun um to bring them all back so uh yeah shout out to to all of those folks because this was good it, the side stories are just so fun mm-hmm. so um yeah i guess sort of to to talk more about the story you mentioned like uh you mentioned writing those like really emotional like story beats that were happening um and this story has some like really emotionally intense moments uh mm-hmm. it is like at times some some of the most like heart-wrenching stuff i i read the final um two stories sitting at a coffee shop uh with my mask on i'm i'm not gonna sit there surrounded by a bunch of strangers maskless but i was there um i just needed a place to get out and read that wasn't my house uh, and I was reading them and I was on reading them on my phone and like crying in a coffee shop because Ooh. of how some of these moments hit me. Um, there was especially, you know, there's the moment of Jason Frasca's final moments. Uh, the, that was heart wrenching. Uh, Nahiri's whoa, whoa, whoa. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. What do you mean their final moment? Their you final the moment, moment the moment for- where their love is perfected. No, no, he, he was right the first time. Their final moments. There are final I moments support. before completion. How about I guess that? I'm the only one that supports women's wrongs then, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, completion is sometimes a thing that happens after death. Um, we do know that some completed people are basically technically kind of corpses, but we also have a shit ton of reanimation magic in the magic universe. Um, it's not the same as infection. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, one of the arguments I am seeing a lot is people going, oh, 
why is completion so quick and easy now? Well, you're, you're not complete just because the oil has remade your fleshy body. You're complete after they have taken you to the nice lab and chopped something off and grafted something new on. You know, they're mm -hmm. having a party. Um, but, uh, but we can still have our Phyrexianized Planeswalkers kicking around and doing stuff, having a nice time. Yeah, it's, um, I guess the, the right way to put it is their last moments before they accepted the glory of Phyrexia were pretty yep. heart-wrenching. Uh, heart um, Nahiri's sacrifice, we talked about that earlier, was also a standout moment for me of, uh, there's something that gets me about a character who says, you know, go, I'll hold them back. Like that moment always just sort of grabs me a little bit. Um, yeah. And then uh, the final fight at the end with a Johnny and Elspeth and then Tyvar and Tybalt, um, that was also really emotional to me because of the Ajani and Elspeth connection. And then also mm. the joy of watching uh, Tyvar beat up Tybalt, uh, finally getting some of that satisfaction. Um, did you? Yeah, he deserves a treat. <laughs> yeah, he, Tybalt deserves getting hoisted off a bridge. Um, but uh, did you like do anything to prepare for writing these like really important emotional moments for these characters? Um, like that Jason Vraska moment is like relying on a lot of history. Um, mm -hmm. So did you, did you do anything to like prepare to write those moments? I mean, for the Jason Vraska, I went back and made sure that I was up to date and fully informed on their previous interactions. Uh, but for most of the others, I just kind of made, that was the day, you know, it is the least romantic thing I can say about the life of a writer but at this point, I have deadlines. I have deadlines all day, every day. Um, I am not a you must write every day or you're not a, a real writer person, but this is my entire job. I'm incredibly privileged in that respect. And so I get out of bed in the morning and I set my spin down to tell me how many thousands of words I have to write that day. And then I start writing. And with the big emotional beats in one, the prep there was, okay, this is the day that that is what has to happen in the story. Um, and sometimes that was a good thing. And sometimes that was a really, really bad thing because writing those does trash you. Um, especially, I was very grateful that what Nahiri did came at the end of her episode because I love Nahiri. She is, Tyvar is unquestionably my favorite planeswalker at this point. But if you're looking at the great length of time, Nahiri is my all-time favorite. She is the girl I love most. She is the trauma planeswalker who genuinely speaks to me um, as someone who has experienced the fact that we forgive problematic men and we don't forgive problematic women. You know, I, I literally had someone with Soren Markov fan club in their handle um, ask me why I wrote Nahiri being heroic when she had done bad things <laughs> and just kind of sat there blinking and going, okay, so your vampire Lord and master never did anything bad, but we forgive the male characters and the male real life people when we're not forgiving the women. And, and that is part of why I love Nahiri. I just feel like someone has to. Um, so taking her out that way, even knowing that completion is not the same as losing the character, even if there is a way to uncomplete people, I don't know whether there is or not. I can't help thinking, as I think most of the community does, that that we've lost so many so quickly that there's going to be a mechanism. Um, but whether she is uncompleted or not, she's probably going to do some horrible things in Elish Norn's name before that happens. 
And given that people already hold Innistrad and Zendikar against her in just this absolute you are an irredeemable monster way, what happens if completed Nahiri is told to lay waste to Eldraine? You know, how does she ever come back from that? And so for a certain, for the redeemable version of Nahiri, I did feel like I was killing her off. And that was heartbreaking. Yeah, as a member of the Nahiri fan club myself, that, like, I really appreciated the the agency that you kind of gave her in the moment um, and how she envisioned herself fighting to the end and trying to give the team as much of a chance as possible. And, you know, I really do hope that there is a way to redeem her in some way because I always thought she got a raw deal as it was and I, I understood her anger to a certain extent. And, you know, people be it core elf human whatever like they make mistakes they can get emotional and she's had millennia to be brooding about all the mistakes that happened in her life and you know good chunk of time spent in the hell of all with you know nothing going on just monsters everything is awful yeah also the one i will pull out when people are like well nahiri should have known better is look at the art on her first card look at how old she looks She's a pre-mending planeswalker. She didn't start aging until she was let out of the Gila Vault. That is a baby. She's like 1920, if you're being generous. Soren mm-hmm. was perfectly happy to take someone with no life experience, no context for what planeswalkers are beyond what he told her, and tell her that her only purpose and her only value was in standing guard and that he would help. And he didn't, you know, I, I have stay. I've got a t-shirt that literally says Nahiri did nothing wrong to Soren. I will forever be on that club. Like yeah. I want Soren back in that rock as much as possible. I think, I think this is a thing that a lot of um, people have wrong about Nahiri and, and some other characters in magic too. And I guess just on a, a, a fictional characters at large is that um, I can, I can look at Nahiri and I can say, wow, she did some really awful things to 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 Innistrad, and then also in the most recent Zendikar Rising story, she yep. had some plans for stuff she wanted to do that are that you know, are really I, really shitty. I I say yeah. she's a cool mooded still murder character. But but I look at that and I go, but see, I'm not going to dismiss this character because her character has done these terrible things. I look at it and go, all right, give me tell me more about her. And mm-hmm. I was incredibly satisfied by the one story and making me look at Nahiri and go, and also the comic. But those are extra canonical um but reading the story for one i was like this is this is making me look at nahiri and go yes you did some terrible things but also like you have been through so much and you are so young and so old she Mm -hmm. felt she felt old in the story in ways that other characters could not be simply because they literally are there's no way for them to be that old Um, yeah and that was the thing that I really, I really caught on while reading her was this is a character who has been through and seen so much. And when she looks at this situation, she knows what she's doing. Um, and she's also correct. They should be scared of her. She is yep. the most terrifying member of the strike team. And it, it was very clear, but it was just it felt like, ah, oh, you know, I can look at her and go, wow, you've done some awful things, but you are such a good character. I want so much more of you. Yeah, one of the scenes I do feel is missing from the story overall between one and Brothers War is 
assembling this strike team because the only way that Jace is going to let the tactical nuke with anger issues go on the team with him is if he is planning to throw her at something she won't survive. She has got to have been on the roster as acceptable losses. I, it, it would be very char- characteristic of Jace to look at some of these members of the strike team and say, you can, you can fight until uh, you're dead. That's fine. I think we, we talked about that a little bit on our last podcast episode, but you know. Until they found magic metal that can't be completed, I'm thinking that most of them expected Mr. Tyvar Punch's stuff was not going to walk away from Phyrexia. Mm, I, my thought there is that Kaya probably insisted on him coming, and Jace mm-hmm. sort of nodded and said, yeah, sure, he can punch through some stuff until he's, he's useless to us. Uh, but Kaya probably didn't have that frame of reference. She probably thought, oh, Tyvar, he'll be a big help. Um, yes. But that's because Kaya is fundamentally a very good person. Uh, and I love her so much. <laughs> Kaya is yeah, one of my Kaya favorite characters. In the strike team's defense, they also had bad intel. Their surprise <laughs> was already known. Byrexia was prepared. Uh, and they were just doomed from the beginning. So they they were starting off on uh, once they actually got to the strike part. Uh, they expected everything to go a lot smoother, I think. Oh, Jace did. Um, Jace is just as prone to hubris as Nahiri is. If that were a thing oh, you could great. bond over, that would be the <laughs> thing to bond over. But sadly, I think hubris is one of the few things that no one bonds over. It's true. That's why Nicol Bolas has no friends. Yep. <laughs> He does have a brother. He, he can't even bond with his brother over hubris, and they have the two biggest egos in the multiverse. Which is impressive. I actually realized the other day, like, Jace is the one who has been bringing the DoorDash to, to Nicol Bolas? Uh-huh. What the heck's going to happen now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it really is wild that uh, Phyrexia now has its grips on the only person other than Ugin who knows that Nicol Bolas is alive. Mm-hmm. I'm hmm. sure it's probably not. I'm sure, it'll be fine. It'll be <laughs> I don't actually know if anything gets done with that, but, you know, yeah. think about it. I love fictional telepaths, and I love the fact that every fictional telepath we care about has to be just walking through a world full of tissue paper minds all the time. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, having the moment of Jace being like, no, this is this is how much I will trash your shit was very satisfying. Though I didn't actually get to show any of the shit trashing, so. Yeah, if Jace had uh, fallen to Phyrexia before he got, you know, stabbed with a, with a halo blade, uh, I don't think any of the strike team members would have lived to the end moment. Yeah. That... Yeah, they would not have made was, it. No, that was actually the biggest editorial argument I had during one that is not Tales Out of School to talk about, was just having to keep trying to scale down the force that they wanted brought against the Planeswalkers at the last minute. I'm just like, do you want them alive or not? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, if your goal here is that we wipe these people out, I'm going to be real grumpy, but it's not my it's not my franchise. I'll do it. That said, they're all dead now. Like, you have just killed everyone. Oh, maybe we shouldn't have the seven phalanxes of zombie colossi. Yeah, no, maybe no. Maybe no. Jay, I can confirm as the person who wrote Corrupted Jace VO for Arena, uh, he's not a good person when you take away his empathy and restraint. Uh, No. And it's terrifying. Literally... 
literally your brain is an intricate latticework of glass filaments and his mind is a sledgehammer and he is not afraid to swing it. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we yeah me too. <laughs> we just we just mentioned that the ending moments of this story are um, are pretty bleak. I mean, we left a few people alive, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. there, there's a few planeswalkers still kicking. Uh, it's a pretty big cliffhanger. Like I I got to the end of the final story and just kind of kept scrolling, going, "All right, where's where's the rest where's of it?" The rest? <laughs> I was like, you just you just left them all on the the deck of the Titanic, and the iceberg is just hit. Like, mm-hmm. what what's gonna happen? Um, so like, how does it how does it feel to write a uh, a cliffhanger like that for for like an ongoing story? We're writing the end of like Act Three, and there's still an Act Four to go. Yeah, it's it's bleak. I mean, largely it feels like. God, I wish we had a writer's room so I could find out what happens next. Even if I can't tell anyone else, I have been sitting in that cliffhanger for over a year. Uh I don't have any inside information on March of the Machines. Um, You know, so it's not like I'm sitting here going, hmm, hmm, you're all worried, but I know that everyone's fine. Just like, no, no, no. Is is Tyvar okay? Like, uh, is Kaya okay? What's going on? I don't know. So it's nerve-wracking in a very exciting way. Don't worry, it's still nerve-wracking when you know what's going on in March of the Machine. <laughs> I'm sure. They, they did tell us that we were getting five completed Planeswalkers and the other five members would not get completed. They didn't say that the other five members would live. And they didn't say that they would not get completed in the next storyline. And mm-hmm. they didn't... Like, there is so much that you can say without saying that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What? Well, especially, like... I don't know how to phrase this. Uh, a lot of people were looking at the set and uh, I've seen a lot of comments about, uh, wow, they would like just kill off all these characters uh, in this arc. You know, it's, it talks about stakes and like all this other stuff. And I'm sitting here like, mm, you know, this is the only the penultimate set of this arc, right? We still got one more set of stories to go. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not over yet. Just hang tight. Well, and also I found... There's been there was so much complaining and I did some of it about the lack of consequences of War of the Spark. Way too many people mm-hmm. walked away alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing I did when I was working on Ghost Spider for Marvel was an event called Spider Geddon, which was supposed mm-hmm. to be about all of these different Spider-Men dying. And so I am geared up for Spider-Geddon. I'm going to get my Spider-Geddon on. There's going to be so many dead. They killed three. We have like 900 Spider-Men. Kill some more damn Spider-Men. <laughs> I like Planeswalkers better than I like anything else about magic. Planeswalkers are my favorite thing, um, completely and utterly. And we got a lot we're not using. Like, mm-hmm. No one is willing to fight for them if there's not anyone affiliated with story going, this is someone that has more story to tell. Um, And I know that every single planeswalker has a Vorthos somewhere in the world that will fight for them, uh, period, because everyone is somebody's favorite. But if story team is done, let them go. You can kill characters not just for emotional manipulation, but sometimes you have to have costs and consequences or it is all just a game of magic. And I reshuffle my deck when we're done. 
I, I will say the every planeswalker is someone's favorite. We have a Luca super fan in our Discord. Like literally every planeswalker is someone's oh, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, but Tybalt was someone's favorite. Oh, Tybalt has a lot of fans. Yeah. Yep. Tybalt's actually very yep. popular. So I knew nothing about the side stories for one going in. Um, that mm-hmm. is another way that the information is compartmentalized. So I didn't know how Luca got completed. And great. I, I know I am hugely entertained that the completion he got is the one that people on Twitter were predicting for Tyvar. <laughs> Because oh. people were like, oh, Tyvar will try to transmute himself into Phyrexian stone and just complete instantly. A- and then Luca actually did that. Like, Oh, yeah. Buddy, no. Buddy. When, when, I, uh, when I first saw um, the summary stuff for what was happening to Luca, I'm like, yes, yes. Just reach out, touch, form an empathetic bond with a Phyrexian. Just let the corruption in. Yeah. Yes, invite Dracula up to your penthouse suite. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we're back to hubris is really the core flaw of almost every planeswalker. Yeah, I, I saw Luca was on the strike team and I, I in the Discord, I was like, yeah, Luca's going to walk into Phyrexia and be like, I am here to fight Phyrexia. And then Phyrexia is going to show him some power and he's going to go, I am here to fight for Phyrexia. Yep. Like, a, a, it's not going to take a lot much. Of, a lot of people pegged him as a red shirt uh, mm-hmm. on this team from the moment yep. he <laughs> appeared in the Brothers War story. And I'm like, oh, you people are very smart, but wait to see how he goes. It's so excellent. It was yeah, really lot, good. It was really good. A lot of people pegged Tyvar as a red shirt, too. So He doesn't wear a shirt. How can he be a red shirt? I know. Exactly. He can't be a red shirt. He... Like I, my genuine argument is that he sparked. The reason he didn't notice is that there was no trauma. Harold just tried yeah. to make him put on a shirt for the coronation, <laughs> and then Tyvar was so repulsed by this idea that he fled the plane. Uh huh. <laughs> Love it. Oh man. The uh, hit him not knowing that Zendikar, a world that looked completely different from anything on Kaldheim, was another plane uh, entirely. Uh, and Kaya explaining it and him just going, huh, that's neat. Uh, yep. is one of my favorite Tyvar moments. So when you survive Zendikar, what? Like, it's hard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I mean, it is if you're Jace, but... Uh... Jace making it this far was honestly a miracle. And I say that yep. as a big fan of Jace. I, I love him to death, but... Eh, he's He's a survivor, somehow. Yep, he is not the consentiest. Yeah. He's he's a survivor because he showed up with no memory, 15 years old, in the middle of Magic's New York City, and wasn't killed immediately. And uh, that's how you become a survivor, by adding trauma on top of your trauma. He's sparked like eight times at this point. <laughs> Poor kid. I think that was the the list of all the like questions that we wrote. Um, Yay! Do you have any other questions? Yeah, I I have been I've been holding on to this question. Uh, one, once once I saw that we had gotten here and hoping we would have time. P- please, any tips on writing Kaya? Kaya is one of the characters I struggle with most, and your Kaya was fantastic. It's so good. How did you I, write I- Kaya? I mean, I really love Kaya. She's great. One of the best things about her is that 
she genuinely cares whether or not you're going to stick your hand in that meat grinder, but she respects mm -hmm. the of agency. Go ahead, put it in. Mm -hmm. Like she's not going to encourage the bad ideas, but if you are really committed, she will cheerfully stand there and let you do it. And then she'll bring a bandage afterward. Um, you know, she does believe in people paying for their debts, but she doesn't believe that there's no getting out, which is part of why I feel like she is one of the ones Nahiri would go to if she was trying mm -hmm. to redeem her. You know, the, mm -hmm. the Orzhov approach of, yeah, you should pay for what you get. Kaya is is big on that. But that doesn't mean that there is no exit, which is why she was not big on let's keep the debtors imprisoned forever. Yeah, I think one of my biggest struggles is that Kaya is just genuinely cool. And writing genuinely cool is hard. Yep. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to not sound too dorky or too stilted. And yep. Just mess with her when you can, and if there's something she can walk through, editorial loves that. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I, I love Kitty Pride. Is is remember you can be intangible. You don't step over anything, and you have not <laughs> had gold on your shoe in thirty years. Yeah, I I love the the details when they're walking down the bridge, and uh, there's like all this rubble in the way and she just kind of strides through it as everyone else weaves through. And, and that's just great. That's good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I hope I get to write her again. I love Kaya. I honestly, she, I she, yeah, she's, she's wonderful. And I just, I've written her like three times now and it, she's always, I think she's the hardest character for me to write. I think the hardest for me is actually Geralt Sasani. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, I love Gisa so much. Her particular brand of completely unhinged is extremely mm -hmm. comfortable for me. Like, that is, what is your comfort zone, Gisa? That is a dangerous and frightening comfort zone. I'm aware. Um, <laughs> but but Giralf is the same. He is also unhinged. He is as unstable as his sister. Um, and if I can just manage, like, one more word, I can hit all the unsets in one sentence. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, he's just as unhinged as his sister, but he doesn't know it. Geralt thinks he's the sanest man in the room, and that makes him uh -huh. so hard to write. Uh-huh. Have Have you ever read the novel uh, The Secret History by Donna Tartt? Yes. Uh, Geralt made, like, I read that recently, and I was reading it, and the connection I made immediately was between Henry Winter and Geralt, where it's yeah, like, I hi. Here's here is this person who wants to appear very sophisticated and very intelligent with some of the most like batshit ideas you've ever heard, who is just entirely like not there, but also like very put together, kind of. Yeah. I really feel like Innistrad has not fallen because Gisa and Garolf cannot get along for more than 15 minutes. Oh, absolutely. Like, those two ever genuinely team up. Innistrad is fucked. Soren is not stopping them. Arlen is not stopping them. The only the the running out of corpses will stop them. We have risen everyone on this plane. We have nothing left to play with. The the funny thing to me is that Innistrad is only standing because Gisa and Garof have come together before and worked mm -hmm. together. Okay. Which is the opposite of exactly like if they wanted to, they could take it down. And they know that because they kept it up. Exactly. Like, they are fully aware that all they have to do is join forces and Innistrad is done. But they can't get along that long. It's like if Urza and Mishra had just had zombies instead of power stones. Dominaria would not have gotten nuked. 
to be fair, Mishra did have zombies. <laughs> but, yeah, but not but not Innistrad zombies. Like Innistrad zombies are special. Ashna did her best. Spe- did. Speaking of women's wrongs, uh-huh. we support Ashnod in this podcast. We do. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, did did uh, Chris or Brian? Did either of you have another question? No, got nothing. I'm I'm sure I could I could go for hours just talking about the characterization, but we 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 are at the end of our hour. <laughs> so we yeah, should the, probably not do this, that. This is my, if there are no further questions, then I, I believe it is time to start heading to the wrap-up zone. Um, Ooh, the wrap-up zone. Uh, yeah, the wrap-up zone. Uh, Sean, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to come by. And, uh, yeah, uh, next next time you, you do stuff for magic, well, we should uh, chat again. Um, we're heading out. Uh, any, any last things, uh, works that you would like to pitch for people? Uh, if, uh, where can people find you, uh, on, on the internets? Uh, those, those kinds of things. So if you can spell my first name, you can find me because I, as I was telling someone the other night at draft, literally every other Sean and McGuire I have been able to find is a sheep farmer in Ireland and they are all my cousins and none of them is online. Um, so uh-huh. if you can find me. Um, I, I don't hide very well. Uh, and I, I realized the other day and was whining at a couple people about that. I made a massive miscalculation when I was mapping out my pub schedule for 2023 um, and this is an eight book year for me. So the next thing I have coming out is in March and that is backpacking through Bedlam, which is the next book in my encrypted series. Um, and, and then they just keep coming until I eventually start to cry and pass out on the floor. <laughs> I hope that goes well. Uh, <laughs> mostly the passing on, on, on the floor part, uh, that is the part I'm explaining. They started dropping the magic story for one. You know, the thing where I am actively concerned about audience response to certain things like Nahiri uh-huh. and Nebraska. And so, like, I really want to be online monitoring for when that one person shows up going, I heard her say a mean thing about Jace at an in-store pre-release game once. She clearly did this to be malicious. Uh-huh. And they started dropping it during my book tour for Lost in the Moment and Found. So I'm in a hotel room in Portland just frantically trying to refresh things on my phone. Uh, uh-huh. the, the, the passing out on the floor really is going to be the most exciting part of my year. <laughs> awesome. Um, then I uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, okay. If if somehow you have not read the story yet and made it this far in the podcast, uh, sorry for all the spoilers, but also read the story anyway. If you have not yet, you can find that uh, over at uh, the, the Magic website in the story section uh, for Phyrexia Obi-Wan. Um, it's very good and very free. It's very good and very free. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, there are five side stories as well. well this is kind of a, a set where we had some side stories that feel more like main stories. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, check those out too and let's see uh, am I forgetting anything else on I don't this think episode so. before I do the spiel where remind people we're going to be in Philly if they missed that at the beginning because I'm still oh, yeah. kind of hyperventilating about that a little bit I mean 
I don't know how you would miss it at the beginning if if you made it to the end, but it, I guess for the imaginary listeners that Chris has just created, uh, we, we have a Vorthos Cast live panel at uh, Metricon Ooh. Philly on Sunday, February, is it the 19th, I think? Mm-hmm. Oh, literally one month from today, uh, a day of recording, Thursday. Um, yeah, so uh, Sunday, February 19th at noon uh, at MagicCon Philly, we'll have a Vorthos Cast live panel uh, talking about magic story from War of the Spark through Phyrexia All Will Be One to get us uh, all caught up in time for March of the Machine and our big event finale of this arc. Um, if y'all are fans of the Vorthos cast and can't make it uh, to that uh, to that convention um, and still want to support our show, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Uh, everyone who supports us gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are hanging out, having a good time. Based on this set story, having a bad time at some points. Lots mm-hmm. of bad things are happening, even though y'all should be rooting for Phyrexia. All will be one. But uh, folks like you all over the world uh, have our nice little community here. We love our Discord server, and we love our listeners and our uh, patrons, and uh, we all having a good time. Uh, so thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.